empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Lord, we love you so much. We are so thankful that you are not a distant, unapproachable, hard to please, impossible to please, confusing kind of God. We thank you that you've drawn near to us. We thank you that you draw near to us on a regular basis. Thank you that you heal every wound that comes our way. Thank you that you're redeeming this fallen world. We acknowledge that this world has fallen because we have joined with the rest of humanity in sinning against you and needing your redemption. We acknowledge there's only one name given among men, given under heaven by which we must be saved, and it's your name, Jesus. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your name even meaning God saves, Yahshua. We worship you today. Be glorified in how we sing to you and how we relate to each other and what we learn and how we live it out. We so welcome your presence. We are so thankful that you promised if two or three gather in your name, you'd be very present. You'd be manifestly present in their midst. And we recognize, oh God, you are here. Thank you for your presence. Speak to us today as we... We consider your words and your eternal word and learn more about your nature and how it applies to our lives. We love you. Amen. Oh, isn't that, can you feel the presence of the Lord here? Can you feel, I mean, is it just me? You know, some, some people, uh, it, well, like, who am I talking to? You might be new, you might be old. Are you aware that some people, if, if you're someone who's, so used to experiencing the presence of God. There are, there are many people in our world who are utterly shocked when they find out that you can know God. Yeah. Was it shocking to you when you learned that? Yeah. Like, you can know him. He's alive. He's legit. He's present. Oh, man. And he, he comforts. Every single person in this room has needed comfort at some point. Every one of us. And he's always been available to comfort us. It's, it's really just the, sim the simplest things about God are just overwhelmingly wonderful. And today we're going to, um, if I can get through it, <laughs> talk about some things about the image of God. And in particular about um, how that connects with motherhood, which is a blessing to encourage uh, our mothers that are hearing, but also all of us who know a mother. I bet every one of us knows a mother in this place. Um, but we'll talk generally about the image of God. You, you, do any of you like art? Yeah. Any of, you, are any of you, you've maybe studied art? You have a degree in art, yeah. And, um, and music is art. I know I, I see a music teacher back here. 
piano teacher at a college. And, um, you know, if, even if you don't know art, if you know art, just, oh, an art history major back here, getting a doctorate in art history. If you know just a little bit about art, and you see an artist that you've run across their work, you recognize it. Just about anyone, if they ran into a Picasso, would think that's a Picasso or someone who's trying to look like a Picasso, right? Or if, if you've listened to just a, maybe taken a music appreciation class and you've listened to a Bach prelude and fugue, you'll hear a, a piece by Bach and you'll recognize, I think that's Bach, right? If you've ever heard a Chopin nocturne, you, you, hear, you recognize, oh, that's Chopin, what an artist, wow. If you've ever heard a Jimi Hendrix solo, huh? If you've ever heard Beatles harmony, you know oh, that's Beatles. You don't. You don't need to have someone announce it on the radio, right? Oh, then she breaks into song. You like the Beatles, huh, Tia? How about if if you hear the particular sound of U two, right? You just recognize the the drum kind of feel, what the bass is. Doing. Yeah. God is the ultimate artist. He is the creator of creation. He's the artist who created artists. And if we pay attention, he has left his signature everywhere. If you stand a couple blocks from here on the shore of the ocean and see the thundering waves and, and listen to, and you feel the spray in your face, you know that's a, that's a God. That's a, a God's signature work right there, right? You know, or have you ever seen the majesty of snow-packed large mountain peaks? And, and your heart goes, <gasps> have you experienced that? It's the, it's the signature of the artist. We recognize often who the artist is by the artist's work. And when God created creation, the creation we lived in, by the way, could I just learn this really from Matt in the projector booth, he always emphasized this. He doesn't like to talk so much about nature because in our world, quickly, when you talk about nature, you then, oops, go mother nature, and suddenly nature is something unto itself, but actually it's creation because there's no mother nature. There's God who created, right? God created the heavens and the earth. And Psalm 19 says that they declare his praises night unto night, deep unto deep. You can go nowhere and not hear the voice of God declaring his beauty in all of creation. And... Sometimes we forget, and this is what I'm going to like focus on right now, is that according to the Bible, which I, I tend to use as my defining line, if I, if I wonder what truth is, I look to it, the inspired word of God. According to what we understand in the written word, on the sixth day of the creation days, God created his crowning achievement humans, and we bear the image of God like nothing else in creation. We're part of his creation, 
but he made us unique. The, the way it's written in the Bible is this. Then God said on the sixth day, let us make man, and as I understand it, man there would be um, generic for humankind. Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. I love it that it's our, you hear the first words of the Bible, hints of a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth. We've been given, some call this a creation mandate, a stewardship over this planet. We are put here to rule and care for the planet, all of creation, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move on the ground. And here comes the sentence I want us really to, to narrow in on with our focus. So... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. There's some interesting play with the, the words there. But notice, please notice, that male and female reflect the image of God. Both female and male. And you in this room are one of those. And in your personhood, the way God put you together, you reflect him. You reflect the nature of God, male and female. What's, we wouldn't know so much in our culture, but you know, this, is, this is ancient writing. Very, this thousands and thousands of years old. Came in a culture of um, paganism, and uh, women certainly not treated as equal to men at this time. And yet, in the earliest of writings, actually rather astonishingly for the time, to say, yes, females are reflecting the image of God, was quite honoring and revolutionary. Another thing to know about that culture, though, that time, is that when a king would establish his reign, he would make images of himself and place them around the kingdom. Or if there was a pagan deity, the priests and the workers of that pagan deity would carve out images of the deity. Might be a frog, might be a fish, might be any number of monstrous looking things, but they would carve out an image of that deity and put it in their temple as part of their worship. And here we have the creator who has commanded, later he will command, don't carve out any images of any gods that you would worship them. He says, let us make an image. Let us make an image. And let's fill the earth with our image. I don't know if you realize this was God's design for the earth to see a reflection of the character, of the person, of the multifaceted, interesting dimensions of who God is in you and me. And he said, fill the earth with my image. See, when, if you were in that time and knew what kings did and knew what pagan priests did, you might have heard this differently. You 
made by God, bear the image of God. Later on, after the flood, God will tell Moses, it's not studying that today, but it just hit me that it's worth mentioning, another one of these image verses, where, where God says to Moses, you are made in the image of God, therefore don't ever murder. And in fact, it's so important that if anyone takes another one's life, then by mankind, that person's life needs to be taken because it's so serious. Have you ever read that in Genesis 9? There's just a strong value of human life. You have tremendous value just because God made you in his image. You have infinite worth. You're not equal to the rest of creation. You are not equal to, I mean, people will tell you in the philosophies of our time, maybe it's been a long time, I don't know when it started, but they'll say, yeah, no, you're no better than the ant. But the ant is not made in the image of God. You're no better than your dog. Yes, you are. You were created by God in his image. He stamped you with his signature. And of course, sin has marred the image. We know that. Where because of the sins of our parents and their parents before them and their parents before them and on and on back to the first parents and because of our own sins, that image has been marred. And that's, that's basically, you know, bottom line kind of attack of what Satan does. Satan, who hates God, who wanted to become like God himself, and therefore was thrown down out of the heavens and a third of the angels with him. He wanted to rise to the heights and become like God himself. You may have read that in the prophets. He couldn't attack God, but he could attack God's image. God let him. In the, in the majestic wisdom of God, he created you and me with a free will so that we would have the opportunity to live in the wonders of love. And love, of course, requires freedom. I think you know that. If you can't choose to love, then you're not really loving. God set up a world that has the potential for the best possible world there could be. If you ever find yourself judging God, saying, why does God let evil happen, as though if you were God, you would have done a better job at creating a world? That's what you're saying. Like... He's not very smart. If I were in charge, I would have done this, and I wouldn't let that guy pull that trigger and shoot that guy. That's that's what we're saying. Why doesn't God just stop it? As far as I understand, the answer is because God has created the perfect world where beauty has the potential to flourish, but it's required that the people in that world choose him. And then he doesn't leave us on our own. When we sinned and he knew we would, he said, I'm going to dive in and redeem them. And I will become one of them and I will go to a cross and I will die in their place and take all of their sins upon me and give them this opportunity that they'll put their faith in me. I will remove their sins. I will cause them to be born again and I will remake the image of God in them. They will be born again. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of exciting. Kind of stirs your faith up a little bit, huh? It does me, I don't know. Now, it's 
relatively easy for those of us that have read much of the Bible or even heard the stories or sang the songs to get the idea that fatherhood is a metaphor who God is. Jesus revealed God fully, and he revealed him as Father, right? And we learn a lot in the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, about the fatherhood of God. We learn Paul would say, you know, I kneel before the Father in heaven, from whom every family on earth derives its name. We get the idea of Father God. And, and I have, I'm a man, you may have noticed by the beard, so I really just naturally have lived in this environment and related, and I didn't really know until I did a little bit of reading that it might not apply to any of you women in here, but I've heard that many women have had a challenge in identifying with God because we live in a rather male-dominated world, and they get God as Father, and they've, they have difficulty some connecting with, well, how do I fit in? I'm, I'll never be a father, and I'm not a man. And, and they thought, oh, God's masculine. I, I don't know if you've ever thought that. But, but here we read, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them quite clearly female reflects the image of God. And what you might not know is that there are many places in the Bible where God compares himself to a mother. And I want to read some of those to you. It might help if you have had difficulty knowing who you are as a reflection of God. And for us men, it might, have, might help us if we sometimes forget that the feminine reflects the image of God equally as much as the masculine. When women express femininity in God's way, by the way, God never says in the Bible that women wear pink and men wear blue. So if you're a woman who doesn't like pink, don't worry. That's not the definition of femininity. It never says women don't play sports, they do crafts. So if you're a woman who's like, well, I don't really like crafts. I like, I like some hardcore sports, right? I want to play some tackle football. You know, my son plays rugby. In his club, there's a whole girls' rugby. Those girls, I would never mess with one of those rugby girls. <laughs> right? The Bible doesn't say that feminine means you never play rough sports. And that may be freeing for some of you. You can be the personality that you have, but if you will dive into the femininity that God designed in you, you will be reflecting your maker and bringing glory to him. Whether or not you match the cultural expectations, what you want to match is God's Blessing on you. And this is actually really important in our day when there is, I think we could say, an epidemic of gender confusion. Many, many people, for whatever the reason is, for whatever the voices are that are coming to them, come to the conclusion that their body doesn't match who they are and they think God made a mistake or they don't believe in God. And it's really, it's really a sad tragedy 
because I, I don't know all, you know, it's complicated. And it's, if you, you might be hearing me and you might have difficulties with, you know, transgenderism or gender issues. And it's, it's I would never discount it. You're, you have a hard time because you feel uncomfortable. However, I want you to hear that God did not mistake when he made you. He made you right. And whatever the cause of your discomfort with your physical gender, it will not serve you to try to use surgery and chemicals to change the body the way our world is doing. It will help you to bring healing to your soul and find out why God created you, how he created you, what his purposes are. And in living out the purposes for which God created me, there is so much joy and contentment and reason for living. And maybe that thing that I just said, which was kind of ad-libbed because I didn't really plan that, so <laughs> that's kind of scary too. <laughs> Don't give a guy a mic, you never know what could come out. Maybe just what I said just now could be helpful for us in responding to our culture, not with judgment, but with love and compassion and wisdom. People around us who need to know. Don't worry about how culture says masculine or feminine are. But do know that God created it. God created you beautifully. Let's, let's read some of these scriptures. How are you doing? You're doing good? Okay. Don't lose the notes. Won't know what to say, right? Here's an interesting one. Deuteronomy 32.18. It's part of Deuteronomy is the retelling of the, of the law and the covenant of Moses before the people enter the promised land. They're at the edge of the promised land. Moses, the fifth book of the Torah, retells the law one more time, retells the story of God. And he's, he's reliving how during the wilderness experience they rebelled against God. That's the context of this one sentence, but it's worth hearing this. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Oh, here's God as mother, or metaphor for God as mother. God gave the nation of Israel birth. What an interesting picture. You know what's involved in carrying a baby in your womb? All those years, all those all years, hopefully not years, all those months. <laughs> Ron, go back to biology. It felt like years, that's what I meant. Especially that last two weeks felt like a year, right? How could I be that big, you're thinking? There's no way that thing's coming out. But it does. And a baby's born. Imagine that God tells Israel, you know how a mother carries a baby. That's what it was like for me when I brought you out of Israel. I mean, out of Egypt into becoming your own nation. I said that wrong. Out of slavery in Egypt. When I brought you out, it was like a mother who's carried a baby. That's how intimate I am with you. I think the same thing applies to the New Testament. We are born again. And I think in the same heart, God the Father is also using this, the metaphor, the imagery of a mother giving birth. That's re 
Really phenomenal to think about that if you've never thought about God in those terms. Here's another one. Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. I'll have to read a few verses to get this one. Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Those two words are going to come back in the next sentences. Compassion and comfort, thinking that those more apply to the nature that God has built into women. But Zion said, the Lord's forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. And listen to these words. Can God speaking to Israel and me and you, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So God's comparing himself to a nursing mother. The way, listen, if you could get this, mothers, the idea that when you are nursing your baby, and I, of course, have never experienced that, but I've talked to my wife who experienced that, and I understand, ladies, if those of you that have had the opportunity to nurse a baby, that it is an unusually incredible moment, a connection with the child. And... How miraculous that your body was created with breasts that carry milk to feed your child, and you hold your child and nurture your child, and you bring sustenance and the perfect nutrition for your child, and love them, and comfort them, and care for them. And God says, when you're doing that, you are imaging me, because that's the way I am. If um, I think if a mother would think, wow, this is not only awesome, I'm reflecting the character of God himself. That you would feel the honor that comes to you, you know, from Hallmark on Mother's Day. No, it came from God. You are imaging God. And I, that image is carried over by way of illusion, I would say, in the New Testament when Peter writes this, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. God, that what we've just read is that like a mother who nurses a child, our God cares for us and will never forget. And he's talking in the context to a people who have sinned so bad and experienced some judgment. And we're tempted to think God forgot all about us. And he says, no. You think your mom who nursed you could ever forget you? And most mom would say, not a chance. God says, not a chance. If you are in sin and far away from God and you think he forgot you, not a chance. He will never forget you. And he is the one who has the milk you need to nourish you, to sustain you, and he will comfort you and care for you. That language I just said would not generally apply to a father, right? When you think of a father, you probably think protection, provision, you know, keep the enemies away. And that's, that's wonderful imagery. That's who God is. And also tender love that a father has. But don't miss, like a mother, God loves you. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 32.11. Uh, 
I'm not a zoologist, so I don't know the details of how this, this description works, but I, I've read a little bit about it. The, phrase, the sentence, or the, the imagery says this, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spreads his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions. Moses is talking to the Israelites about what it was like when God carried them out. But, but particular imagery here is that a mother eagle, when the chicks are, when she determines the chicks need to leave the nest, mothers, have you ever had a chick that needed to leave the nest? <laughs> that she actually makes it really uncomfortable, takes out all the soft stuff, makes the nest not so comfortable, and flaps her wings until like, they have to get out of the nest. And when they start to fall like they're going to die because they don't know how to fly yet, she swoops under and catches them on her wings, takes them up and drops them again. <laughs> and they're like, ah, don't let me fall, Mom. And she's like, you can fly. Use your wings, dummy. You know? <laughs> Moms, have you ever had to say that to your kids? Use your wings, dummy. You can have this. No, you don't say dummy because you're moms. The dads say dummy. <laughs> the moms say, it's okay, honey. <laughs> you swoop down, catch them up. And let them go again. If you have helped your children get out of the nest and find their own strength to fly on their own and soar on their own, you've been imaging God. You've been, you've been demonstrating to the world what God is like. And that actually is our design, our vocation, our calling. It was lost because of sin, but when we come to Jesus... We are to be renewed and rebirthed so that we have the image of God again. And then Jesus says to his followers, Therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven because you are to be the image of God for the world to see what he's like. You have that calling. You're well aware how you fall short, but you have someone called the Holy Spirit who's ready to help you and me live out the character of God. We read about it in the Bible, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and all those characteristics that the Holy Spirit works in you so that you become someone who is an image of the living God. And mothers especially, you have a particular, unique, beautiful reflection of God's nature. So rejoice in that. How about another one? You, you, Lisa, can I, have, can I do another one? You're good? Okay, good. Check in with the youth pastor. Oh, this is Jesus speaking. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your chickens together, your children together, not your chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, so this is, this is brand new tech. There's like a TV screen back there with that verse on it, and I couldn't see it. <laughs> so we need to tweak my eyesight. How Don't lose the imagery because the pastor misspoke. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Now, of course, we're not farmers. Maybe some of you have been around chickens. But can you picture a hen, mother, taking her chicks under her wings to protect them? From whom? 
predators. There is a story that you can read, you know, if you search around the internet, you can read anything. I, I don't know that there's any evidence that this story is actually true, so I give you that disclaimer. But it's a really good story, and perhaps it's true. There was some question. The, the source was quoted as National Geographic, and that was not true. Anyway, the story goes like this. There was a forest fire, and after the forest fire had um, been dealt with, and now there's just the smoldering embers, the firemen were walking through, and one fireman saw this strange-looking mound, and upon closer inspection realized it was a bird, a large bird, who had been burned to death in the fire. It's still smoldering. Which seems strange, why wouldn't the bird fly away? And he took his boot to remove the, the burning carcass from the pathway and suddenly was shocked because there was a flurry of life and there were a bunch of little chicks underneath. And as this story goes, it's a beautiful story. I hope it's true. If it's not, it still works, right? That the mother hen, or the mother bird, who could have flown away, gathered her chicks under her wings and let the fire destroy her to save her children. Now, what mother wouldn't do that? And Jesus said, Jerusalem, as he's weeping near the end of his ministry, he's soon going to go to the cross, and he knows that many of them have rejected their Messiah and are about to have terrible suffering as a result. He knows Rome is going to come in. In not too many, in just a few decades, about three decades from this time that he's speaking, and is going to just wipe out Jerusalem and tear down the temple, and great just disasters coming to these people. And he says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you under my wings like a mother, but you wouldn't, and therefore your house is left to you desolate." What a beautiful picture that Jesus chose to use to describe the nature of God being like a mother. It's quite beautiful. In the very beginning of the Bible, I won't read, but I'll just mention it. Most of you would know it, that when God creates humankind, he does it in an unusual order. He does this for most of creation. He creates a thing and divides it into two, and then brings the two back together over and over in the creation story. He takes the day, divides it into night and day, and then brings them together night and day. He takes the surface and divides it into land and water, and then brings it together land and water. And he, he does that. You can see that pattern. Well, he creates man, and then says, it's not good for man to be alone, and divides them into two, male and female, and brings them together. You ever seen that before? He creates for man a partner for relationship. And it goes both ways. He's creating for woman as he separates the two, a partner for relationship. But in the scheme of things, it feels as though we would, most of us would intuitively catch that it seems like the woman seems more attuned to relationship than the man. I imagine you've experienced that. If you're married or you've ever had a boyfriend, you've probably had this situation. You come to your partner, your friend, your husband, your boyfriend, and you, you begin to share a problem that you've had. And he says, let me tell you what you should do. 
And, you're, and then you respond, don't fix me, right? You've, you've heard this, right? What's happening? In general, women don't use language for how to fix stuff. They use language for how to connect relationally. Men often don't use language for relationship. We use language for how we're going to do the next thing. But women, generally, I know there might be some exceptions, it seems, though, that God designed you within a special ability to connect relationally. And you're more likely to talk just for building relationship. And men will get frustrated, like, well, what are we trying to solve here? And you're like, we're trying to be related to each other. We're not solving anything. We're connecting, right? God is so relational. The next time your man gets frustrated, frustrated at you that you don't want him to fix your problem, say, well, I'm just being like God right now. I'm reflecting his image because in my femininity, God has made me really good at relationship. I do it with my friends. I do it with my children. I do it, with, I do it at the grocery store. Everywhere I go, I make I build connections relationally. And that's how I like to use my mouth, so that we connect. You want to go get some tea? Yeah, let's go out for tea and connect. What are you going to solve? Nothing. We're going to build relationship. Does anyone relate to that, that reality? What, ladies, when you do that, you are reflecting the image of God who is all about relationship and created men and women particularly for the need of relationship. Isn't that beautiful? Well, the clock is always against us. No, maybe it's not. The clock's just right. I just need to, I just need to land this bird, huh? Just a, a couple more scriptures with less comment. Um, Paul writes this to the church at Thessalonica. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. Isn't that beautiful? Paul the apostle said, you know what? In my apostleship, I model some of it after motherhood. I'm a church planner. I'm a big leader. I go around the world starting churches. And I look to motherhood as an example of some of what I need to do as an apostle. My being and my doing are imaged by God through what he created in motherhood as well as fatherhood. One more, Paul writes to the Galatian church who he's struggling with because they are tempted to leave the truth of grace and go back to works. And he says to them, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, mother imagery, until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. But that's the image. Happy Mother's Day. What can we take out of these scriptures we've read? God is awesome. He's taking care of everything we need in creation. We can read these things and fall down and worship. Wow. 
Look at what he's created. The ocean was awesome, but look at people. Look at women. Look at men. Look at fathers. Look at mothers. They're all part of his brilliant design, and they all ultimately, when they live out their potential and their purpose as he designed it, bring glory to him and beauty and wholeness to each other. Makes you want to get back to the original design and live in the fullness of the beauty of the harmony of creation that our Father has created. And perhaps it helps you realize how valuable you are the way you are to God. The way he designed you is good. If you're female, the way he designed you in femininity is beautiful and good and right and reflects his nature. If you're male and you're masculine in the way God's designed you to be masculine, it's good. It's not toxic. It's good. It's, it's healing. It's part of his glory for you to live out what you're created. If you meet someone who happens to be female or male, they're created in God's image. That can draw out of us an honor for them. Huh? An honor for people. You've never met a normal person. All of them are amazing. Every human being that you ever encounter is incredible. If you knew their story, you would be awestruck that they made it this far. If you knew the things they've overcome to get here, you would be like, wow, wow, you are amazing. And if you have that heart as you approach people, they will feel so loved, ready to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus from you because you've honored them and loved them and recognized the potential and just the amazing awesomeness of God's design in them. It's, it's actually pretty good to know that you were created in the image of God, and particularly for today, mothers. Motherhood is so awesome. Trina referred to the reality that not one of us has been able to avoid the experience of the brokenness in our world of motherhood that has not come up to its potential as God designed. In yourself, mothers here. Or in the brokenness that um, has caused the mothers in your life to hurt you. Or the loneliness of wishing you could have been a mother and you never were able to. Or the pain of realizing you went through the difficult and painful experience of abortion. All of these things, all of these issues, all of these experiences, and more that I haven't mentioned, are redeemed in Jesus Christ. I, I just would urge everyone in the hearing of my voice to turn to Jesus with your pain Show it to him and ask him to walk through it with you so that he can transform it and redeem it. As one person said, turn your scars into stars. You know, just make even the bad things part of his redemptive plan to bring you 
to the beauty of his creation because that's what Jesus does. He takes bad things and restores them and makes them new. Ultimately, he's going to come back to this planet and make all things new. There will be hardly any memory of the way it was and the way it is right now because all things will be made new. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more war, no more fighting, no more mourning, no more disease. He will make all things new. And that is the hope that we live from. And we also, from that hope, realize he's in the process right now of making things new. So we pray for each other. So we read his word and learn what the hope is and live in hope rather than fear and defeat. We live in hope. And we live in joy and we live in peace because his presence has come into our world through Jesus' death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Man. Let's stand together. Paul, do you have a, a worship song? I bet you do. Maybe it's that freedom reigns in this place. Folks, there's always in our gatherings opportunity for prayer for each other, and it's always effective and powerful. Some of you that um, you know something about how to pray for people, you've been through some training, or you've just been praying for people, would you make yourself available up here to the front? We want to do what we call ministry time now. We're going to play worship music. Some of you will enter into a time of worship with the Lord, maybe reflecting on what he's done in you today or what we've been talking about. Others of you will want to come and have someone pray over you. I may have poked some painful things in you with all the words I said today. If I did, let that pain be a barometer that there's something that God wants to bring healing to. And maybe come and ask, would they pray over the situation and see if the Lord doesn't come and bring healing to it. All of us... Today in particular, as we leave this place and go through our day, let's pay attention for opportunities to honor mothers. Your own mother, if she's available, if she's alive, if you can call her, express love. Your own children, mothers. Let's today honor the beauty that God has created in motherhood, but also come and I see people already praying. I'll just say a blessing over you that is in the Bible. God told Moses and Aaron, would you say these words and so put my name on the people? He said, say these words, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And the Lord give you rest. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Be blessed today. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.